0: Welcome and thank you for joining Save Our Sisters Unplugged. If you're looking for a sisterhood of intelligent women to network with, then this is a podcast for you. We'll be letting our hair down and spilling all the tea on an array of topics and gain insight into what women really think. My name is Noreen Boy and I'll be your host. Now let's get started. Welcome to another
1: episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Today's host is such a generous and fabulous soul. She is an amazing woman that plays by her own rules. She is a woman who is very dedicated to her family and a mother, not only to her kids, but her bonus kids as well. In her professional life, she's been helping families in the state of Illinois for 13 years. And when I thought of doing this topic, I already had her in mind because she is already living the dream of today's topic, which is blended families. It is my greatest pleasure to introduce my free-spirited travel sis, Carmen San Diego, aka <laughs> <a>. Jessica Dull. <laughs> welcome, girl! Hi, thank you. So today, what we're going to be talking about is blended families. And girl, thank you so much for saying yes to doing this interview. The minute I thought about doing this, like I said, I was like, I think Jessica would be perfect for this because of the information that you share within the group and your posts and all that. You reach out for help and some things and advice. And, and I'm like, oh yeah, she would make the perfect person to do this with. Plus you're funny as hell. So <laughs> <laughs> you got to have a sense of humor if you are in my life. Well, I can definitely relate. What is it laughing through the tears sometimes. Exactly. so for everyone's understanding a blended family is a family that's consisting of the couple and their children from previous and current relationships and as we know blending a family can be very frustrating but i feel if both parties work together and put the children's interests as a priority it would be very rewarding what do you think
2: um it's rewarding i mean the more the merrier right the more you have for people to love you. And I figure the more kids I have in my life now, when I get older, someone's more likely to be sneaking the liquor in the nursing home for me. So, <laughs> got that one to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, well, I got, you know, I got my accountant and then I'll have, you know, person that sneaks the liquor in and the person that travels with me. I got all kinds of options. I don't have to put all my demands on one
1: child. Well, that's good. Spread it all out. You have each, a, a child for each task that you're going to be needing. Exactly. So tell us, Jessica, what was your upbringing like in terms of your family dynamic? Um, So I, I guess,
2: was brought up semi in a blended family because I was adopted. So I was the non biological child of the family. Okay. But my mom always took in like multiple kids. It seemed like one of my siblings always was bringing somebody home, and now that's kind of carried over into my life. Um, I have my two biological children. And then we have custody of my boyfriend's three biological children. And then I help my mother raise my sister's children um, since she's deceased.
1: Oh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So you had step siblings. Yes. What was that like having step siblings?
2: Um, I mean, it wasn't horrible, but um, there's a lot of jealousy and um, usually coming because I was the one coming in. So I was taking attention away from like, you know, my dad or whatever. So there was a little bit of jealousy um, in that aspect. But for me, it was great because I came from being an only child into a home of four. So on my side, I was happy. I don't know that they necessarily were as happy to have that extra mouth and that extra person.
1: Okay. Yeah, that could definitely be tough coming into the family in that way. And um, was there any time that anybody said, Oh, well, I don't need to anything for you not my my real sister anyway anybody said that
2: never had that
1: situation that's good that's good because that could be very hurtful and that could cause wedges between siblings that will never be repaired because you you can't unhear certain things you know what i mean correct yeah so in your opinion what do you think the biggest challenges are of blended families
2: i think Um, expectations is everybody wants to be the Brady Bunch and everybody expects everyone to get along and have fun and just love each other. And that's not how it always goes. Um, Children in general can test your patience. And then when you don't have the same bond with that child that you do your own child, just because you haven't spent 10 years with them, you've only spent two years with them, your patience is not as... um, as generous sometimes. So you have to catch yourself and make sure that you're treating everybody the same. I mean, you're moving in with new people. And for us, we took everything on full time. So a lot of blended families get the option to do the weekends and just do the fun stuff. But for us, we have to do the bad stuff. So being a stepmom, you don't want to have to be the one being mean and being the bad person because you just want these kids to love you and accept you. But Being a full-time step-parent, you don't have the luxury of always being the fun person because otherwise your house is going to be trashed and, you know, everyone's going to be going crazy and it'll just be chaos. So it's harder to build a bond when you're forced into each other's lives 24 hours a day. And then you've got these children dealing with emotional issues of being removed from another home. And how do you take that into consideration when determining what expectations you should have for them and then I have my bio son I have high expectations for him but he's always been with me he doesn't have those emotional baggages so he doesn't understand that and it's hard it's hard to balance what's fair for everybody and in your head you just want to be this big happy family but
1: the reality is that's not usually how it goes. I like what you said uh, in the beginning I mean You're basically saying that people come into this thing with preconceived notions that everything is just going to be the Brady Bunch. And when the story that they played out in their head doesn't really play out in real life, then it's a problem. Exactly. Exactly. That's definitely um, a good way of looking at that. And you mentioned the psychological aspects of it. That's definitely a huge thing to deal with. And, And I think that in and of itself would pose its own challenge. Do you think the transition is harder for the child than the adult?
2: It's most definitely harder for a child. Um, I would hope most of us as adults, we've learned to control our emotions and at least understand them. Children, I don't even think they understand why they're so angry sometimes, Mm -hmm. especially with my niece. She lost both her parents. Um, Then she lost her grandfather. So she was really young when that happened, three or four. So she lashes out. But I don't think she realizes she's lasting out for that particular purpose. As an adult, we should be able to see that and recognize it. But children don't. So it's harder for the children. Um, I was happy to have the children come to the house. They weren't happy to come to the house. So obviously, you have to check your ego and your feelings because it's like it's hurtful. But of course, they want to be with their mother, you know. Right. Well, it's nothing to take personal.
1: Right. And I, I totally get where you're coming from with that. Everybody has their own individual feelings about how things are gonna go and the willingness to even be a part of something that they may not have a choice in. So how did you and your guy meet? Uh, We met online. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's the standard these days now anyway. People aren't meeting in the grocery store anymore.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I had my niece and my nephew and my two children. So online was just the easiest way for me to meet someone. Mm -hmm. So that's how we met and um so when we met he had two children that he was seeing sporadically um not by choice Mm -hmm. and um think about six months in he started getting to see his children on a regular basis and then about a year in we found out he had another child um wow with the same woman and then a week after that all three children came to live with us full-time so i knew the children about six months on a part-time basis before they came to live with us full-time and i had been with my boyfriend for about a year and he moved in about two months before the kids moved in and he was also the first man i've ever lived with Oh, that was a transition in itself. Yeah, that was a transition in itself. And then we only had the two months to adjust with him and and my living situation. And then we threw three more kids in, actually four, because we took their sibling in for a while too. So at at one point I had eight children. Like I said, just, you got to throw expectations away. Like having a clean house, I just forget about it, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you have that many kids, you know, you, you already have to have the mindset that things are going to be out of place. Things are going to be sticky. Things are going to be messy at times. Things are going to definitely be loud. There's going to yeah. be fights that you may need to part. And then you're still trying to get to know your boyfriend at that time, too. So now you you have a couple of things going on. You've already lost the, the solace that you used to have when you were living alone. You've added a boyfriend. now. You have to consider somebody else's feelings. And then now you have this whole family dynamic that you have all these different personalities that you need to manage. And
2: on his side, he had never been a full-time parent. So he always got to be a weekend dad, which is a completely different parenting role than the day-to-day parenting, the bath times and the homework and the groundings and the chores. You know, when you're a weekend parent, you get to do all the fun stuff. You don't even have to worry about all of that. So that was an adjustment for him too, having to... Actually, be a full-time parent and have to discipline them and follow through with punishments and you know things like that. And I kind of sometimes felt like I was teaching him and didn't really yeah. sign up for that role either. <laughs> so, well, how how did he manage the transition with moving in with you? Uh, I mean, he managed it probably better than I did. But he's always been kind of a laid-back person, so. Um, I think with any relationship, no matter what situation you're in, it's always the people and their personalities and how they connect. Because if we both were going through that same anxiety at the same time, I don't know if our relationship could have, you know, withstood it. But since he's so laid back and he just takes things as they come, kind of get the little liberty to be the one like having the panic attack.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. So. You definitely have to be on one accord when you're going through something like this. Uh, that yeah. your, your family foundation would not crumble. So when you guys decided to blend your family, how was the initial communication? Like, what did you say?
2: Well, I mean, for us, it was kind of hard because DCFS was involved. The courts were involved. So it was a matter of like a phone call, like, hey, I just got out of court and I have all three of my kids. So it was anticipated. We already knew that's kind of where it was going. But to be honest, it wasn't even much of a conversation because how do you tell someone that they don't take their children? Right. It was just a matter of where's someone going to sleep and who's going to sleep where. And now we need to have triple bunk beds (laughs) in this room. And yeah, we just started preparing the house
1: and yeah, Yeah. let me dial this back the communication with the kids. So you had your son. So when you sat down and talked to your son or the both of you sat down and talked to your son and said, Hey, we're going to have some extra children in the house. What was that conversation like?
2: Um, Well, my poor son, I, like I said, I've always kind of taken in strays per se. So his uh, cousins were already staying with us through another DCFS case. And so I basically just sat him down and explained, you know, how your cousins are here with us and have been here with us for a while. Um, Now Leroy's children are in that situation and they're going to be moving in too. And he took it fairly well. He just was like, okay. Oh, good. So
1: he didn't feel like anybody was
2: coming in to invade his space. And we made sure that like nothing changed on his end. He didn't have to give up his room, um, didn't get to give up anything. And if anything, we ended up relocating to a bigger house and he got a nicer room. So it's been nothing but winning for him, you know? So mm-hmm. they're all about the same age. They're all teenagers. So honestly, their bonds are probably better with each other than like my bond with them, just because they can be friendly and complain about us with each other.
1: <laughs> right, I understand. <laughs> So when his kids came, of course, they knew that they didn't have a choice but to come live with that. How did they feel about moving
2: in? Um, it, Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't a good situation. Um, they were obviously upset. They didn't want to come. And um, I mean, there wasn't much else we could say. I know there was some misrepresentation on why they were coming and they were kind of told that we took them. But, you know. You can't just take people no no and and it's one of those situations when you have an active case you're not really supposed to speak to to the children about the case so we couldn't really say much to them about why everything was going down the way that it was um so
1: that made it hard you know Mm -hmm. how long did it take for them to transition to the new living arrangement
2: i mean if we're being honest we're we're still transitioning (laughs) Uh, to, you know, two years in, we're still transitioning, but I do feel like we're finally like at a a settling point. Um, but that first year was really rough. I mean, there were definitely not my best moments. There were yet there was yelling. there, you know what I'm saying, and there was arguing. and there was a lot of um boundaries pushed um, between us and the kids and the kids and each other and even the other side of the family, because, you know, blended families, it's it's
1: your family, but then
2: blended families always have outside influences.
1: So was there a lot of that, a lot of the outside noise, uh, maybe poisoning the kid's mind against you or the father in any way? Um, They were not
2: always being told the full truth. And we were following the rules and not defending ourselves because we weren't supposed to talk about the case. So we didn't, they did. And when they were doing it, they weren't being completely honest about it. So that made things difficult, but... I've always been a big believer that um things play out the way that they're supposed to play out. And I never really wanted to talk bad about the kids mother to them. So I haven't. And I've just kind of left it at that. And I can only hope like in the future they'll understand. Um, once the case was over, we made the binder, we put all the court papers in there, all the text messages, all the DCFS reports, and we just said it to them because then it's them reading things. That's facts. That's not us telling them our perspective of
1: how things happened. Exactly. So, I think that's part whatever, of what it could do is just really give them all the factual information. And then unfortunately, the people that were poisoning their mind against you guys, when they read all the facts, now they have to answer to all that. Right. Was there backlash so, on that end of it?
2: No, I don't know how to make this sound bad or good or wh- how it comes across, but um, unfortunately for the children, the, the mother decided to leave the state, so she's not really a big presence in their life at at all anymore, yeah. um, which kind of settled our situation because that's where a lot of the riffraff was coming from and the negative energy. And so with that that gone, we've been able to settle down and adjust a lot easier. Um, so I guess everything happens for a reason, and you know I hope for them one day she returns and can try to fill that void again because that's just not a void that anyone else can fill. And that's never been, and I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of people want to step in and be that mom, but I've never tried to be their mother. I just want to be another adult guiding them. Right. Ages is different too. You know, we got them when they were 12, 13 years old. Um, The littlest one's five. So obviously my relationship with him is more mother-like than with the teenagers. It's more just an adult child relationship. Right. So maybe an auntie or something like that.
1: I, so I really to
2: make well, yeah, and I really try to make their father take a lot of the parenting roles with them because I mean, at the end of the day, he is their father, mm-hmm. and he needs to be taking them the most day to day care of them, you know, right. and the bond with them is the most important. So I take a step back to that. My relationship with my children are in check because we haven't had to go through what they've gone through, and so I try to let him take the front of that and handle them as much. And then I'm just a
1: supporting role. So he's taking the lead on his own children, but what about discipline for your children? Like how do you guys structure the discipline for all children?
2: So in our family, I handle my children and he handles his older two. And then we both parent the younger one Um, with my niece and my nephew, like my niece is with us uh, part-time she's 11. So he will help discipline her as well. So with the younger ones, we kind of share the responsibility, but with the older ones, we take the lead on our own children with that. So
1: that's been really helping.
2: It has. um, It's not to say that if he sees something, he he doesn't come down straight to me and be like, go tell your son that he'll say something to my child. I'll say something to him. But if it's a big thing, if it's a big issue, then he's going to go up there and he's going to sit down and be like, Hey, you have really been slacking on your chores. You've been really doing this. You've been really doing that. You know what I'm saying?
1: Right. But okay. They, so that, no one's, no one's authority is being undermined. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's just been the best
2: way for us. And I think personalities matter. Some children, they're more accepting to the situation than maybe both parents can do that, but his children are not as accepting to the situation. So rather than put that additional stress on myself too, which I know some people will consider that selfish, but you have to take care of yourself. So I had my children, I, my um youngest turns 18 and this Friday. Oh, wow. So he'll be leaving me in July. So I'll be going on a lot more trips. <laughs> and a lot of those will be going on during the school year. And so, you know, my boyfriend won't be able to join me. A lot of people look at that like, I can't believe she's traveling without her boyfriend and without the family, but... I don't mind taking on the additional responsibilities, but I also don't want to become resentful because now certain things in my life have been postponed because of his decisions or their situation. Right. Because I think the biggest thing is to not become resentful. Right. Taking up children that aren't yours day after day after day and not getting that love and affection back like you do with your own children.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: It can be very um, grating and it can be very defeating. So you have to make sure you're taking care of yourself too. And you're not putting all your emotions into these children that may not be ready to accept your
1: love. Right. And as women, you know, our first mind is always to love first and then try to bond second. You know, we're going to be sympathetic to your situation. We are going to try to help you transition well. But one thing we will not be tolerating would be disrespect. Because you're not going to undermine your authority just because you're not the mother. And I'm sure you're not going to let them um, just treat you anyway or just be reckless with their words towards you because you're not their mother.
2: Oh, no. Okay, good. But that's also their father's responsibility to make sure that they're not being disrespectful and that he's raising his children to be respectful of anybody, whether... It's me or you or his mother or, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think some of that comes up with how they were raised. Um, And sometimes in our situation, there wasn't a lot of discipline in parenting before they came. So there was so much adjustment, new houses, new people, new rules, uh, new disciplines, like new expectations. It it was a lot. And that's a lot to put on a preteen. Who's already yeah. just dealing with hormones and their own feelings about
1: abandonment and exactly it's a lot. And I'm glad that you don't let anyone make you feel bad about going and traveling because you have to take care of your mental health, self-love and self-care, you have to do that. And, you know, as much as it's a transition for the children and the father, it's also a transition for you as well. And like I said previously, you go from a party of less than a handful to like eight people within a couple of months, that is a period of adjustment because now you have a lot of things that you like to have done your way. Exactly. You're already set in your ways and you have to readjust and align your life to allow others to come in. But then with that, then you still have to set the structure for it. You know,
2: I, I think the hardest part with being a step parent in anything is that you put a lot of time, energy, money, you know, into these children and you may never get the love and the affection and the acceptance that you want from them. Like a hundred percent.
1: I and- think you may not get them right when they're transitioning, but I think when they grow up and mature and understand your role in their success in life, I think you'll get it. I think you'll get it. It's not going to come immediately, but I I think just that part of them needs to transition as well. Yeah. So- so do you feel some of the kids may think there might be some bias with the disciplines since you guys have set it up that you discipline yours and he disciplines his? Let's say the child on each side has stayed out late and your discipline structure is different. You may discipline him for like a week or take the keys from the car. And then on the other side of the fence now, they're getting their phone taken away, no laptops, like no devices and no outside. And do they think that, oh man, he only got, a week's punishment and here I am going on a month for the same crime. Is that an issue? It is a little bit of an issue and it's it's
2: actually an issue between me and my boyfriend sometimes too, which is why we actually decided to discipline our children separately. So when we were trying to discipline them together, we both felt that each was softer on their own children. Mm -hmm. So he felt like I was not being as harsh on my child as I was his and vice versa. And so it just became a situation where like, okay, we're not gonna do that anymore. So the children accept that, okay, well, Aiden's mom is just more lax than my dad. That, they're not the ones that had the issue with it, to be honest, like, that's just kind of how they'll tell you. But in general, the children will tell you, I'm the nicest and the meanest parent. Mm -hmm. So like, I spoil them the most, but I'm also like the strictest when they are in trouble. So, I win both awards. Their dad's kind of in the middle. So So it is kind of hard
1: to have a united front when it comes to that discipline. Yeah.
2: Um, I think it was harder before they were with us full time for my son, because he had chores and he had like certain rules and stuff and they didn't because they were only there on the weekends. So that kind of bothered him a little bit, but for him, for the longest time, it was just me and him and his brother was half, was split between me and his dad. So a lot of times it was just me and him. He didn't have chores. He didn't have a lot of things because it's just me and him. Mm-hmm. When you have a family of eight, chores have to come into play. People, oh, I'm man. not doing the kitchen every night. So that kind of changed for him. He started him to take on more responsibilities, but he was a teenager. So he took it pretty well.
1: Yeah. And listen, the house has to run like a well old machine. So yeah, everyone has to do their part for sure.
2: Yeah. So they do all right. They I don't know. I think everything's been doing better. But the the big thing is like with families, you can never set it into like a um a stereotype because everybody's family is different and there's so many different personalities. So it's like when people ask me for advice on blended families, like I can only tell you what I did. Mm-hmm. But we had different personalities. So if you have a tougher personality, someone that's just refusing to accept something. I don't know how I would handle that. And I have a friend that's in the same situation and all four of those children just were open arms for her. They were so starved for love and affection that she didn't deal with like the struggles I dealt with with even trying to get the acceptance and the respect from the children. Right. So, and if you're a part-time, oh, I would love to have been a part-time bonus mom. Because I'm great with the trips. I'm great (laughs) with doing the fun stuff, you know? So... But you know, me and you were talking about going backwards. Like I went backwards because my son is 17. His youngest is eight. Right. That's like almost a 10 year rewind.
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, at least they wanted diapers because that's all the way back. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we would have made it. <laughs> if they were in diapers, well, I would like pass. <laughs> oh my gosh, that potty training stage. Oh, I will never want to do that again. And my um, grandson uh, is in that stage too. He's two, he's going to be three in, in October, and he's in that party training stage. And let me tell you if you're not consistent between households, and just like blended families or even divorced families, if you're not consistent in both households, you are not going to win. Nobody wins in a situation like that. You have to be consistent with everything. How do you think your ethnic backgrounds play into your parenting
2: dynamics? Well, yeah, that's probably a big one. You know, my boyfriend is black. Uh, I'm white. Um, my boyfriend was raised by a single, strong black woman who took no <laughs> bullshit and made him do chores and made him pay for his own car and get a job and take his sisters wherever he wanted to go and just brought him up really, really well, obviously, because mm-hmm. I'm dating him. I wouldn't date someone that wasn't, a, you know, well-trained man. Um But I was brought up in a double or so I had my my mother and my father. There was discipline in, but I never really went through the discipline. We didn't have chores. We didn't want for anything. My dad bought me a car. So that's how I am with my children. Like I spoil them and my boyfriend prefers to make his children work for things. So it is different. And then like, of course, we can go ahead and into the food. It's a huge difference. Like the food, what I eat compared to what he eats. And then his kids also, Um, their mother is Asian. So okay. we've got the Asian factor too. So I never owned a rice cooker before. I do now, you know, <laughs> I've learned how to use Cajun seasoning. You know? <laughs> I know to buy Tabasco every time I go to the store. So... Uh, But I try to embrace those things and try to figure out I've even, you know, gotten recipes from like their aunts or whatever to try to bring it in. So I just make food and whoever eats it, eats it, though. That's how it goes. I try to mix it up, but I just can't make everyone happy. If y'all like it, there's some ramen in the closet.
1: I'm telling you, you could
2: never go wrong with some ramen. (laughs) And, you know, this is what's for dinner. And if you don't like it, grab some ramen because I can't make everybody happy. There's a few dishes everyone will eat. But other than that, there's at least one person that's like, I don't like that. Yeah. So
1: what do you have to do? That's funny that you mentioned uh, the Cajun seasoning and the hot sauce and stuff like that. And playing into the stereotypes. So you've learned not to put raisins in your potato salad. (laughs) Okay. We never put raisins in our potato salad. I don't know where that came from. I don't know either. Cause I have a lot of uh, friends that I've never seen that. I'm like, who does that? <laughs> that,
2: I, that has to, that's a special side. I don't know who does that. Um,
1: yeah. I
2: always joke like I'm the, what did they say? They're like, you're the call the police white and I'm the invited to the barbecue white. So I know how to season my food. I did before I met my boyfriend, but yeah.
1: No no, no raisins. It's so Funny that those stereotypes uh,
2: actually oh, exist. <laughs> and I don't think that those are necessarily bad ones either, you know.
1: So. It's just something that <laughs> you can just laugh about because you know, I have a delicate palate. That's all I can say. <laughs> I you know what, and I'm from the Caribbean, so it is expected that we all eat spicy food, but the way my ulcers are set up. <laughs> I I like light spice. I want to taste it. I don't want to blow my nose when I'm eating. I don't need my food (laughs) spicy. (laughs) Yeah. So do you think that those cultural differences help or hinder the process? Maybe in the beginning it may have hindered it, but now that you've come to sort of like a happy medium, you think it helps it now? I think that the only way it would
2: be a hindrance is if you're not willing to embrace their culture as well. Okay. So if like they were to come and I was like, well, this is what I make and this is all I'm making and you eat it or you don't eat it, I think that would be insensitive. It just takes a little bit of effort of learning what right. what they like and trying to put that in there. So luckily, as you know, Carmen Diego here, like I love different cultures. <laughs> I love learning about different cultures and different things, but I don't just assume, oh, well, they're Asian, they want this. I learned what they liked. They eat rice for breakfast. That's weird to me, but we make rice for breakfast, you know, so it would have been nice to have support on that side to kind of give us tips on that, but we learned little by little, so.
1: And are they in touch with any of the mother's family? Oh, yeah. Um, they're over there quite frequently, which... Okay. Sometimes not willing to share about the culture tips about the food. no, no, they don't even want um
2: my boyfriend to pull into the driveway when he drops them off. so,
1: and so it's not a a really good relationship. Mm-mm. I don't know why.
2: Um, I guess it's easier to blame us rather than their own family member for not taking the, you know, responsibility because she could have totally got those kids back and she just didn't do what she needed to do. So I hear you. But some people don't want to see the fault in their own side of the family. So it is what it is. I mean, what can you do at this point? You know I just kind of, you know, me personally, I think it's important for them to see that side of the family and stay in touch. But I think it's um you ride the fence on how often because of the negative energy that comes from there and the lack of respect on towards us on that side of the family, it's like, okay, how often do we let them see them without letting it start to affect their attitude towards us? Because that was a big thing at the beginning. They wanted to be over there every weekend. Then they're over there
1: every weekend. It feels like we're resetting every Monday with attitudes. I can relate to that. I I did uh, some of that when I got divorced as well. So I definitely know how how difficult it is to have to reset your child to your mindset. Not everybody thinks about the children. Exactly, because everybody is in their own feelings and the children are the last ones that they would be thinking about. And that's very unfortunate because the children should be the first ones that you're thinking about because that's who DCFS is thinking about. Yeah. So what has been the most rewarding by lending your family? Uh,
2: So for me, the most rewarding is finally having a girl. Mm -hmm. So I had two boys and then I got to bring on my niece. Um. And then I had another niece. I, I've raised a couple of children. And my my first set of nieces and nephews, they got to go back home to their mother. And then um, my second set of nieces and nephews, obviously their parents are deceased. So they're with my mom. But it was just nice to be able to shop for girls and do girly things. With my stepdaughter, we'd do our nails together and we could go shopping together, do like crafty stuff together. So that's rewarding to get to that side. And- Again, the more kids you have, the more likely you are to be able to have certain experiences. I always wanted the college experience. My oldest son decided to go to ICC, which is fine. I've been against community college, but I always thought as a parent, I driving my kid to the four year college, you know, and taking them to dorm day. And now my youngest is going into the Navy. So I'm like, okay. When am I gonna be like, how <laughs>
1: Well, hey, serious? it's eight of you guys. So you still have a couple of chances. Left. <laughs>
2: oh, exactly. So now Caden and my nephew, he wants to go to ISU. So we
1: finally get to go do a college campus visit. It's still far away enough that you still get the, the college experience. You get to help exactly. them decorate their dorm room. You go shop with them at the store and get all the stuff that they need i actually understand that because i got to do that with my daughter my youngest and she went to yeah. SIME. me and so i would pack brenda brenda is my dodge avenger uh, we yeah. took brenda we packed brenda like a truck and took her yeah. stuff all the way down the mini fridge and all got her roommates all set up and yeah it, as a parent it is very rewarding to really get to do some of those cool things that kids go through in life yeah. Of course, blending your family means blending your cultures and you being a part of their culture and they being a part of yours. We have all this uh, racial tension going on. How has that affected your household? How did you handle what they were going through?
2: Um, you know, I really, we really didn't address it, I guess. Like, I guess Leroy, he took the lead on that. I mean, if you know, they had any kind of issues with dealing, you know, it's always been a struggle, like as a white person, we'll never understand like how um, minorities feel. Um, We can only try to like empathize and try to understand, but we'll never fully understand. But luckily, like my son, for me, that's a plus for me because my son is mixed. So at least now he has a black man that he can go to. He's never had that his whole life. His father was never really active. He's always kind of been around, you know, but not really active. And so for me, it was kind of a relief. And honestly, sometimes my son doesn't take me serious. Like I take some of these stuff more seriously to him. I talked to him about driving, getting pulled over by the cops. And he even said to me, mom, like, do you walk around? Do you have to worry about being a female all the time? And I was like, well, actually, son, I do. I do have to worry about being a female. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'm trying to explain to you is that you always have to be cautious and aware that People may see you a certain way and may try to react a certain way. Yeah. I mean, I bought my son a whole brand new car because he was getting pulled over too much in the other. And he thought I was being ridiculous. He took the car though. Don't get him wrong. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, he thought I was being ridiculous. So I take the issue super serious. And I But I look to Leroy and I have other friends that I've always come to like, okay, like, is this a legit thing? Because you never know. Some people do blow things out of proportion. I go to people and I'm like, is this a serious concern for you and your family?
1: Uh-huh.
2: Sometimes they're like, no, they're being stupid. And other times they're like, yes, this is a serious concern. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. For our family, it's been the uh, sexuality um, that this generation has had um, a lot of different roles with the the gender stuff. So um, I've had my children, one of my children tell me they th- that they're bisexual. We've had another child date someone of the same sex. So um, for them, I don't know if they just thought because we're older, we wouldn't accept it. And so those have been the big conversations we've had in our family.
1: Oh. But
2: our children all seem to be on the same page. And then we're kind of still figuring things out. We'll just put it that way. I I don't, I'm an open person. I just don't understand everything that this generation's
1: going through yet. We're trying. tell me either. we're trying and 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 i've already started off on the wrong foot because i i was born out of a a whole different culture we're very conservative in the caribbean and so i couldn't relate to some of the things that my kids wanted to do at like let's say nine years old my oldest daughter wanted to wear lipstick and that's not something that we would do you know right that's not something that i would be allowed to do Uh, first of all makeup wasn't even a thing but at nine years old You know, so coming here uh, to America and having that culture shock was a lot for me. The things that they were fighting for, I didn't think I had the option. So when Mm -hmm. they were fighting for it, I could not relate to why they fight for it. So I totally agree with you. I can definitely relate with you on that. So having this blended family and then, of course, having um, the government involved, do you think blended families should get counseling to navigate this process? Oh. Um, I think so. Again, everything's situational.
2: When you've got the a- the agencies involved or the people, I call them the people, when the people are involved, <laughs> they usually mandate counseling for the children. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Again, it's a, it's a personal thing. I'm not a counseling type of person. I always have been pretty open-minded and I've always been well-spoken. And so I went, we did the family counseling, but like my boyfriend said, everything that you say in counseling, you've said to me to my face at home. So I really feel like counseling is really only needed maybe personally. If you do family counseling, it's only going to be to help communicate. But if you already have a good communicator such as myself, (laughs) right, (laughs) then you you know, it might not be necessary, but yeah, I think it's important for the children, um, especially when it's a full-time situation like us coming over. If it's a part-time, like, oh, now my dad has a new girlfriend, like, And we see her twice a month. Maybe counseling is not needed, but a full-time situation. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I'm a big fan of mental health care and counseling. And that was one of the first things I did after I got my divorce is to do some family counseling with myself and my children. And we did it individually. We did it as a group. Um, and I think it, it kind of helps, but yes, just like you said, if both parents are communicating effectively. Then I don't think that the counseling is needed, but if you have people that really struggle or they have their own feelings about how things should go and like you have conflict with that, you might think one thing, they think something else. And the kids are like, well, what are we going to do then? Yeah, you probably need somebody to help you pull it all together. I really think that that's a very important um, factor in that. Before we close, I wanted to give some tips on how to help with your blended family situation. Not yours per se, but I I did a little bit of research and they do give some really good tips on how to help the transition go smoothly. Of course, blending families can take an adjustment. So hopefully these tips would help people to bond better with their stepchildren and deal with these uh, stepfamily issues. So the first tip would be agree on discipline strategies. And you've done that. You've come to a consensus that you'll discipline your kid. He's going to discipline his. And the little ones, since they're little, kind of like stock fresh from ground zero with that one. Um, the second one, create personal relationships with your stepchildren. I think that's important. What do you think?
2: Uh, we actually do do that. And not just with the stepchildren, but with our children too. So I actually told uh, my boyfriend that like right from the beginning, like, um, Now that the kids are coming in full-time, you really need to make sure that you're doing one-on-one things with them. So we all make sure that we spend one-on-one time with my stepdaughter. We always go and get our nails done. We go shopping. Mm -hmm. That's just me and her, you know? Um, Sometimes he takes her out to lunch, just them, you know? So we try to spend one-on-one time with each child individually. Sometimes the boys or just the girls or whatever, but yeah, it's important to have individual relationships.
1: Yeah, I think that's important. I did that with my kids. We always went out on dates and even as adults, we still do it. Of course, now they're busier, so they have to pencil mom in, <laughs> but you learn so much on those one-on-one dates with them. If you have a family outing or a family dinner, they may not necessarily want to share, but when you get them one-on-one and you give them that special time, you learn so much in that time frame. Yep. Another tip would be to support your spouse's relationship with with their children, whether it be his relationship with your children or or your relationship with his children.
2: Yeah. I mean, the whole point of having someone is to have them support you and there are going to be a lot of bumpy roads. And I think as a parent, we feel rejection from our kids on a regular basis or, and if you don't have anyone to go to for that, then it's going to make it a lot harder. The last thing you want to do is feel alone in this journey. Because then you start wondering
1: why you're doing it in the first place, you know? Exactly. Um, Form an alliance with your former spouse is another tip. I think that's important. If if you can form an alliance with the the former spouse or or partner.
2: (laughs) I have have a good relationship with my oldest son's father. I actually have a better relationship with his stepmom than I do his father. So, I mean, yeah, if you can and it's available, it's always better to be able to communicate. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Because I, I think, uh, when the, when the kids have stability, I think that works out better because let's say you guys separate, you know, we're not putting that in the universe, but let's say it yeah. happens. You're going to still have a relationship with his kids. Right. And so if they get in trouble at his house, it would be good to know that the punishment still travels, you know? Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, having that consistent, um, Alliance would definitely be a good thing. And another tip would be, be civil. (laughs) I think that's important. If family members can't act civil towards one another on a regular basis, rather than ignoring each other or purposely trying to hurt each other or completely withdrawing from each other, that is a recipe for disaster. And I know being civil can sometimes be hard from my own experience.
2: Sometimes civil as being as for me is is just as simple as not saying anything at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or just acting like nothing was said derogatory towards you. Right. You know, just totally ignoring the whole thing altogether. And and that I think that took me a minute to really get into because I was at a mindset clearly I did not have a the divorce of my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a divorce in a dream? Well, some people stay friendly. You know, some people have a really good divorce and they're best friends and they take vacations together and they have family uh, outings together. And um, no, I did not get that plan. I did not get that gold package. I got the copper package. <laughs> <laughs> and so but one thing that I, I never did was I never bashed. And I think being civil is good because you shouldn't bash. Some people can't get through the day without bashing the other spouse or the other partner. And that's unfortunate because of course the kids are picking this stuff up and then they'll use it depending on their age group, you know, especially if you haven't created that one-on-one bond with them, oh, that's a weapon. That's a weapon right there. Well,
2: I think the biggest thing that they forgot there is that, and that tips is to remember your relationship. Because it's yep. easy to get caught up on focusing on the kids. But before the kids, that was you as a couple,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and you don't want to lose why you brought this family together in the first place, because it will come a day when it will just be you and them again. Yeah. The kids exactly. were gone. And you want to know that all that hard work and that decade of sweat and tears and fighting was worth it in the end. So make sure that you foster, yeah, have an individual relationship with each kid, but have a relationship with each other, still have date nights, we still go on trips, take time for yourself, take time for each other, and then take time for the children, and then take time as a family. We do a family trip, a girl's trip, a guy's trip, a couple's trip, Couples, you know.
1: Yep, and that just leads right into the next tip, all relationships are respectful. You know, and this is not just referring to the kids' behavior towards the adults, but respect should be given uh, just based, not, not just based on age, but based on the fact that you're all family now. You know, and so people need to be respectful, respect boundaries, and that is, that in itself is going to take time, you know, learning each other's boundaries and things like that. So yeah, respect is definitely a big proponent of having a successful blended family. Another um, tip would be compassion for everyone's development. People are going to get into this and transition in various stages. And you shouldn't say, well, we've been living together for like three years. you should know this by now. Some people are just very withdrawn and maybe hanging on to something. You know, like in your situation, the kids came in, they may be hanging on, thinking that the mother is going to come back and get them. So why form a relationship with you? You just never know what people are thinking. People have different needs. Each child is going to be different. You know, I'm sure you're dealing with a lot. Each personality is different. What you're going to do for your son, you may not necessarily do for your daughter, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They each got their own
2: individual situations. You got ADHD here. You got someone dealing with a parent's death. you, You know, you got addiction. You just never know what children
1: are dealing with. Exactly. Exactly. And then the final tip is know that there's always room for growth after a few years of being blended hopefully family will grow together and they will choose to spend more time together and feel closer to one another Um, but you always have to just give that grace period and just notice always room for growth the relationship you have today is going to elevate and like i said earlier you may not get your flowers today but when they grow and mature and see a role in the success of their life, you'll get your flowers then, maybe at the graduation speech. <laughs> I mean, who knows, right? Yeah, so, never know yeah, you never know. you're an open person, and that's what I love about you. You're very open and you're very accepting, and yeah. that always helps. one thing I like about you as well is you're you're not afraid to just jump in. Some people are really afraid to just jump in or they like I don't know what to do, man. It's like double dutch, you know. You're waiting to get your turn. You're not sure if you should jump in or not, man. Just jump, you know. Yeah, like- I thought that's how you end up drowning because you just jumped in. No, well, let's, t- let's see what you sink or swim. What yeah, you're thinking? Somebody's going to help you, you know? Yeah.
2: All you can do is go for it. If it's meant to be, it it's meant to be, and if not, then you can just hope that no one gets
1: too damaged in, in the meantime. Well, Even if you jump in, you know, and something doesn't work, you just take a step back, readjust and then go back in. True. Because that's really what we're doing here. We're just all finding our way through this life. Jump in, but still be empathetic to the situation because I think that's going to go a very, very long way. When kids realize that you're not trying to um, take over their life or you're not trying to replace anyone, you know, they're going to be more receptive to what you have to offer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What advice would you give women about their role in the success of blending a family?
2: I always preach self-care, self-love. Take time for yourself. You do not have to do it all. Make that man take care of his children. Because at the end of the day, he made the decision to have those children. And you made the decision to help him. Help him raise those children, not raise them for him.
1: I agree. That's very, very good advice because sometimes people really get lost in their role and they just take over because they feel it's easier and you're like, oh, "Oh, you're going to hold this guy accountable. Let's see. I like that. I like that about you. (laughs) (laughs) I I do. do. You got to hold people's feet to the fire because they're not going to have personal growth either.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, and like you said, women, we love to just come in and take over with the providers. And the next thing you know, you're worn down, you're tired, and you're resentful. And that's not good for anyone in the family. So
1: no. happy mom or happy family. Yeah. What it say? Happy spouse, happy house?
2: Well, <laughs> I, I didn't want to throw the whole spouse thing out there, you know.
1: Hey, we're putting, that in the, we're putting that in the universe. You know, you guys, what, we're not ringing it up? No, we're not. We're not ringing in the new year? No, no, no moving along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. If you can see your face. <laughs> oh, well, Jessica, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. And I, I really always have fun talking with you. And, and this has been a funny interview. And it was also educational as well. And I think a lot of people that are blended families might sit here and, and listen to this and be like, oh, okay. So I'm not the only one that's really going through this and I think you gave them a lot to think about. And of course, I think the tips are really great tips that anyone can use in their family structure, blended or not. And so it was definitely an educational conversation. Well, thank
2: you for having me. I had a lot of fun and I enjoy doing the podcast. Oh, great.
0: Well, we will definitely talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you for joining this episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Hopefully you found it to be inspiring and you've received great information you can use in your daily life. If you've enjoyed this episode, please show your some love by subscribing on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to rate and review. We're on Instagram at SaveOurSisters underscore 2020 and check out our YouTube page. If you would like to continue the conversation, Join our Save Our Sisters group on Facebook. Until next time, sis, and remember to love yourself.